The Gospel reading is from the fourth chapter of Mark, Mark's Gospel. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, that is the disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great gale arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of God. Please pray with me. Living one, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer, our guide upon the way. Amen. Amen. Every colleague I know has been working towards this day in the light of what happened in Charleston. I would guess that many, like myself, hardly know what to say. If you've been following the news, Facebook, everything, it is overwhelming, the amount of information, the opinions, the anger, the rage, the denial that's been going on. And so I come before you uh, just in my anxiety about this, knowing that I will not find all the right words, but I'm just going to speak out of what I think I know and what I feel, and each one of us is free to do what they wish with this. We dare not ignore it. We have to bring it into worship. All of life is prayer. All of life is worship. And I just pray that together we do well by the people of Charleston, the people of that church. I do not mean to say that we will get so focused on this that the rest of life disappears. I'm very good at focusing just on one thing, and then I have to remember that the sun still shines and I'm still vertical, above ground. And there's laughter and joy in being together in my own life, in the life of my family, in being here with you. In all the things that we do and say in this life, in the ministries that we take on, in the work and the retirement and all the enjoyment of life. But many of us can walk away from this incident this act of terrorism, 
because we're not in danger. I'm not in danger. I'm not sure how the rest of you feel. But it's easy to, for me to get rageful. It's easy to get rageful at the South, the Old South. That is so easy. And forget that the West and the North and the Midwest and the East, all of us, are in the same system. We are all part of this thing that keeps going. That was part of the founding of this nation. That is white supremacy and racism. And many of us, I'm looking mainly at myself, find it very easy. I can get rageful and put a few things online and do my Facebook things and read what I can and then I've got other things to do. And walk away. Yesterday, some of us from Sanctuary for the Arts, which is the experimental church that I'm helping develop, we've been given two rooms right up here. Thank you, church. Thank you, session. As a home base, seven of us were here yesterday creating havoc in that room to make a new order. You can go up and see if you want. It's not done. We were ripping up things and painting things and moving things. And among the seven of us, there were four lesbians one Native American, one black woman. The rest of us were white. I was the oldest one. There are two males. I was the oldest one. The other, I think, is straight. I'm straight. And I thought, looking at this little group as we hurried around those two rooms and did, I'm sore today, <laughs> doing our thing, that this, this is... And then looking at you here and remembering you and I'm so glad I'm with you since last November, that these are signs of a, the kind of world we live in and the world we want to have. People of different gender identities, races, backgrounds, cultures, languages, histories, can work together towards common causes and find joy in one another and honor one another. And recognize the difference, not pretend that racism is over, because it's not. Not pretend that we don't see color, because we do. Artificial construct though it is, still. To be able to respect and honor and learn from one another. To face the barriers within ourselves, the socialization we've each been through that makes us who we are and the prejudices that we have. To be able to go beyond that is a beautiful thing. And I rejoice in being part of both communities. I've told you that I smile every time I come over the bridge to be with you. And I enjoy being in worship with you. And I enjoy sanctuary for the arts. And so I look at, and my, my family looks like the United Nations, and we each have, you know, some of our best homosexuals are friends. Right? And we all have our own stories about our, our own defenses and our own uh, stories and our own resistance and our own willingness. And we look at all that and we say, I'm just as... Saul said to David, you are just a boy. As Goliath said to David, you are just a boy. Who are you to come with me with sticks? 
And the reality is that each of us can do what we will. We each of us can be nice to each other and pleasant and understanding. And yet we face Goliath. And Goliath is the system with which this country was brought into being and still exists. Goliath is those things I've already mentioned. Not just prejudice, but racial hatred. And prejudice that is backed by power that becomes racism. And it's used to oppress so many. And many in this gathering here, look back at your own histories, your family, cultural histories. I can do that too and say, how did my, how did my group, my racial ethnic group, make it through the persecution that it went through. So here we are, and we can do what we can do, and we have to recognize, I think, the big thing for many white people in this country, and I'll include myself, that we live with Goliath, and Goliath is that system. The problem is many people deny it. You've heard it on the news. Oh, it wasn't racism. It was fill in the blank. And yet that Confederate flag flew mast. So we know. They know. Goliath is that system, which, that, that air through which, which we breathe, the water that we swim in, like fish swim. And they can hardly see the water, because they're in it. It's, it's what keeps them alive. It, it's the, the material in which they exist. And to name it as a radical revolutionary act, and to act on it in ways that go beyond being nice to each other, is also revolutionary. But we also have to recognize that Goliath is within each one of us. That when you look at that photo, that picture, thank you, Jerry, for finding that. Goliath is out there, right? My wife, I've told you this, my wife is Japanese-American, has never encountered so much racism as she has in this Bay Area, where she grew up. We fool ourselves by thinking how liberal and open-hearted we are many times. So there's Goliath, and it's out there, and we get rageful against Goliath because Goliath is so strong and so threatening and so deadly. And we wish we could kill Goliath and make a better world. But if we ignore the Goliath within ourselves, each one of us, I don't care what color we are, then we don't go deep enough. And this nation has not gone deep enough. It is full of resistance because to name and the water in which we swim and to address it is very threatening. It makes hash of the myths we tell ourselves. So somehow the Goliath is within us also and we have to face that Goliath and it's big and it's well-trained. And we say, God, help us. That two-sided nature we just confessed. So we have to recognize, I think, that the people in that church in Charleston are, are our family. They were gathered, as we're gathered today. They were worshiping. They had Bible study. There were four or five ministers there. There are people of a church that had long been the target of racism, of the acts of violent racists in the South, because it had been 
a well-known center of resistance during the Civil Rights Movement. And they were in church, as we're in church, and they were shot down. And then we try to make our way around that and say, well, it wasn't really that. It was, he was mentally ill. He was whatever. And that's, that's, that resistance is part of who we are, too. Each of us is resistant. So I'm not going to go on and on today. I'm, I don't want to make this a political speech. Politics is part of religion and sociology and race. It's all together. Spirituality and materialism cannot separate. We fool ourselves again if we think we can rip them apart and just be pious and be okay. Those people in that church were being pious that day, were being religious, were exercising their spirituality, and they could not escape politics, history. So there we are facing Goliath within and without, and there we are with Jesus on the water in the storm, and we're scared, and we're fearful. These two, if you look at the emotions in these two passages, they're full of rage, they're full of fear, they're full of anxiety. They're full of courage, too. Little old David, with his five little stones. Can you imagine running to the line of battle to face such a gigantic, well-armored, well-armed personage? doesn't matter if it's historical, it's still true. That's what we face in life. And we face it in many, many different ways, each of us, throughout life. Sometimes it's illness, sometimes it's death, sometimes it's financial. Each of us can name them. We could spend the next 20 minutes just naming what we have faced and what we will face. And then Saul, the good-hearted, you know, King says, here, David, here's all my armor. And David can't move. Like, that doesn't fit David. He has to grab his five little smooth stones out of the brook and his little old sling and go meet this giant. And that's how we feel. I'm just a youth. What do I have? I'm just me. And that's where we get defeated. That no matter what we face in life, we tend to put ourselves down and say, I don't have enough, I'm not enough, I don't do enough. And the key is not to give in to that. The key is to run to the line of battle. Knowing that God is with you, me. And hurl that stone. And if it misses and we're killed, we have been in the love of God, we will continue to be in the love of God. There's no guarantee that we'll hit that giant and it'll fall to the ground. There's no guarantee that we will survive the storm in that boat with Jesus and one another. And yet if that's where we're called to be, God is with us. In life and in death, we are told in the Gospels, in the letters of the New Testament. God is in us, we are in God, all shall be most well. So I wish we could take the triumphant position of 
okay, we're all David and we're going to kill that giant. We're all with Jesus in the boat and Jesus is going to calm the waters and it'll be cool. Peace. So one of my questions I've been wrestling with over the last day and a half is, can I be full of rage against what's happened and also have deep peace within? I don't know. A lot of people do that. I don't know how they do that. That is, that rage is something that energizes them to do, to make change in the world, to make change in their own lives, to make change in structures, to make changes wherever they can, to talk to people who put down other people and say, hey, you know, that's not right. To vote for legislatures, legislators and other people who will stand up for all people. So maybe rage is not the right thing, but just a deep determination to follow the Christ who not only saves us from something, for something else, a different, uh, into a new kind of life, but also goes with us And we do the best we can. And we put ourselves out there, and if we get slapped down, we get slapped down. Easy for me to say. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? No. (laughs) Faith in whom? Faith in Christ? Faith in Christ's power to act, to save? Faith in myself? Yes. All of that. And in the moment, faith gives way, right? It tends to. And we wish we could be like the heroes of the faith. They're just ordinary people like you and me. Flesh and blood. And you look at your little congregation and you say, what can we do? What can I do? I have no big answers. That's the frustrating thing. I know I need to talk to other white people who I I encounter who are speaking words of prejudice. And so when I say, I have to say to them, say, hey, that's not right. God loves everybody. You have to look at yourself, your soul. You've got to change. I have to find ways to say that. That's my challenge. I'm not going to speak for anybody else here. And I'm going to continue being with you in our multicultural way, and I'm going to continue to be with Sanctuary in the Arts as we gather people from, oh my, the differences of faith and belief and viewpoint, they're incredible. And I'm going to stand on those two pillars and I'm going to say, this is where I stand. And I'll do all I can to encourage those two communities to be strong, to be welcoming, to be nurturing, to be lights in a world which can seem very dark. Okay, I'm going to stop. <laughs> you know, preachers. <laughs> you can pick this up now. And I'm going to ask Michael to uh, find the tune of Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Carolyn Winfrey Gillette is the author. She's a Presbyterian minister who often writes hymns in answer to tragedies. She wrote hymns in answer to 9 11, to other things. And I think what she wrote is a different way of giving voice to how, at least I feel, I hope all of us feel. So just remain seated. Let's sing prayerfully.
uh, if you can just introduce us, Michael, to the music so we can get into it.